We're so glad that you made it out to the house of the Lord. What a blessing it is. And by the way, Jesus is pretty happy about you being here too. Amen. Praise God. Love coming to the house of the Lord. We're in the book of Revelation, and um, we're in chapter 11. We're going to be looking at the last six verses of chapter 11. Uh, the book of Revelation is easy to find. It's between the book of Jude and your everlasting future. The last book in your New Testament, the book of Revelation, chapter 11. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. I hope you found it. If you don't have your Bible with you, it is here on the screen. You can read along with us because God's Word is always lit up at Ozark Full Gospel Church. We're going to begin reading at verse 14. And the second woe is past. And behold, the third woe cometh quickly. And the seventh angel sounded, and there was great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshiped God, saying, We Give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art, which wast, and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come. And the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give Reward unto thy servants, the prophets and the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them that destroy the earth, or which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament, and there was lightnings, voices, thunderings, and a great earthquake, and great hell. I want to use for a subject, and I'm going to draw it from verse 15. Great voices in heaven may be seated. Great voices in heaven. Now, most Bible commentators, theologians, expositorial preachers will usually just kind of brush through verse uh, 14 down to verse 19, the last part of chapter 11, just kind of brush through it. And basically what they'll say is, God says he's got this. God's got it under control. That's basically their message concerning these verses. And that is a great announcement that God wins, amen. He's going to take care of everything. But the one thing that I stopped and prayed about very sincerely to the Lord is we really shouldn't just brush through these verses in the last part of chapter 11 because there is so much there that we need to apply to our life. And so I'm talking about great voices in heaven. Now, verse 14 says, the second woe is past. And there comes a third woe. 
That verse 14 says, the first ones went past, the second woes past, the third's on the way. In Revelation chapter 8, verse 13, we're told that an angel flies to the heavens and cries, woe, woe, woe unto the inhabitants of earth because God's wrath has come down. Great wrath has come. Now, some Bible translators or some of your Bibles will translate this flying to the, flying to the heavens as an eagle. My Bible doesn't say that, but if your Bible does say flying through heaven as an eagle, take comfort because in the fourth chapter of Revelation, one of the four beasts had the face of a flying eagle. So I would assume that one of them great beasts, those cherubims, those angelic creatures that has the face of an eagle flies through the heavens and cries, woe, woe, woe under the inhabitants of earth. Now, the word woe just means anguish, great anguish. It, he's not talking to a mule, woe, woe, woe there. Although I will say the world's kind of mulish, right? But when he says woe, he's just simply saying that it is horrific. There's indescribable pain, indescribable agony, indescribable heartbreak. And the first woe took place at the blowing of the fifth trumpet in chapter 9. The second woe took place at the sixth trumpet in chapter 9, 10, 11. So the first woe is trumpet 5, second woe is trumpet 6, and the third woe is trumpet 7, and, and it declares it in chapter 12, verse 12. It talks about the third woe. Now remember that when the lamb opened the book that, would, that had seven seals. When he came to the seventh seal, out came the seven trumpet judgments. And we've been looking at the trumpet judgments up to trumpet seven. Remember, the seventh seal came seven trumpets, and at the seventh trumpet comes seven vials, or bowls of the wrath of God. From trumpet five, six, and seven, you hear the anguish cry of the angelic creature. Woe, woe, woe to planet Earth, to the inhabitants of Earth, Earth dwellers. And when I look at this, I understand that God in his great mercy is doing everything he can to redeem souls. One thing you'll see through the book of Revelation is God is always leaving people a way out to turn to him. But when the blowing of the seventh trumpet takes place, it carries over from chapter 12, 13, 14, and chapter 15. And in chapter 15, the point out of the vials or the bowls, wraths of God. And those are wrath that is unbridled. It's unbridled punishment to the earth, unbridled destruction to planet earth. I, I like the term vows better than I do bowls because, uh, and, I, and I realize the scripture uses terms bowls because 
when you use a bowl, you can pour it out. It's just pouring it out. A vial, you think of a vial, something small, and a bowl is just pouring out the wrath of God. So I'm going to share some things with you today that we can, we can take home with us. How many would like to take some things home with you? And, and I'm going to share with you things that you can take home. I don't want to just scare the living daylights out of you. I'd rather scare the light into you. Amen? But there's several things that we can find from this blowing of the seventh trumpet. I want you to notice that when the seventh trumpet was blown, when, when the angel sounded, in verse 15, there was great voices in heaven. And those great voices were announcing that the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God. Christ is going to take over. He's going to become, and he already is, King of kings and Lord of lords, but he's going to take his rightful place on planet earth as King of kings and Lord of lords. And there's not going to be a vote on it. We're not going to go to the voting poll and vote. God's going to show up and just take over. I'm glad that he's not a Republican. I'm glad that he's not a Democrat. I'm glad that he's not a man. He's God. With integrity, with power, with grace. And he is called in 1 John, love. It's awesome. So, great voices from heaven. And I want you to understand that the 24 elders are mentioned here in this reading the scripture uh, right there in verse 16 and 17 the 24 elders are there they're also mentioned in chapter 4 of Revelation verse 10 and 11 they're mentioned again in chapter 5 verse 6 the 4 and 20 elders in chapter 4 the 4 and 20 elders are shouting and praising God for the fact that God is creator that God has created us. And he has created us for his pleasure. In the fifth chapter, the four and twenty elders praise God for the fact that Jesus is redeemer. God is redeemer. And in the eleventh chapter, where we just read verse 16 and 17, the four and twenty elders are praising God because God is judge and king of kings. And Lord of Lords. I got tickled reading about the four and twenty elders, and I'll bring it up a little bit later on in the sermon. The four and twenty elders is a picture of the church that's been taken to heaven. The four and twenty elders is the church that's been caught up to be with Jesus in the air. They're sitting on uh, 24 thrones, representing that we shall rule and reign with him for a thousand years that we will be the bride of Christ. So the four and 24 elders are a picture of the church and they are in heaven in chapter four and they are in heaven in chapter five and they are in heaven chapter 11, what we just read. When are they on earth? Now. The church is on earth now. Some of our brothers and sisters are in heaven, already gone home to be with the Lord. 
and our citizenship is in heaven, but you and I, if you don't know this, you need some help in your peanut on your shoulders if you don't know that you're on earth now. And I've met some folks, you wonder if they're even on the planet. I've got some relatives, I wonder if they're even on the planet. Anybody? Anybody take me up on that? I've got some relatives that really need to be locked up in the basement. I'm not going to do that to them because they're relatives. But if you want to lock them up in the basement, I'll let you. Just don't tell me where they are. (laughs) I know I shouldn't talk that way, especially when you're live streaming all over the country because some of my relatives may be watching. They may be sitting and saying, me? (laughs) No, they're not going to watch me because they're too nervous when they watch me. But notice it says there were great voices in heaven. They were declaring that God is taking over. They are declaring that the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Christ, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's going to reign. So basically this end of this chapter 11 is God saying, I'm taking over. And all of heaven saying, amen. God's taking over. But I want to point out some things about this great voice. Now, you're going to find the term great voices several times in the the book of Revelation. And here you find it in verse 15 where it says great voices in heaven, and they're shouting and they're giving God praise. They're giving God glory. I want to begin by saying that there are great voices in heaven. Great voices of the cherubs crying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is is yet to come. Great voices of the angel flying through heaven, woe, woe, woe unto the earth dwellers, the inhabitants of earth. Great voices in heaven, the church that's gone on to be with the Lord are shouting and praising God and giving God glory those great voices that's gone on, behind, uh, gone on before us, great voices like Apostle Paul, great voices like Apostle Peter, great voices like the past preachers of the past that's gone on to be with the Lord. There's great voices in heaven. In fact, when it talks about the voice of Jesus, it's like the sounds of many waters. When there's great voices spoken between the angels, it's like, It sounds like thunder slapping back and forth against the atmosphere, thunderings and lightnings and the cracking and slashing. That's the voice of our God. We don't serve a puny God. We serve a majestic God, an incredible God. Amen? I had um, someone come up to me this morning. I'll not mention their name for this. They may want the privacy on that, but they asked me, what do you think about all these universes out there? You know, they said they found another universe and they're looking at Hubble scope and the telescope. You know, I don't mind that. The further they look out there, the bigger my God gets. I don't mind them looking in a microscope. The, The deeper they look in the underworld, the bigger and deeper my God is. And one of the questions was, well, I'm going to mention his name because I think I can whip him. Richard Lazarus back there. He 
He, I called him Lazarus because he just almost went to, well, the grave and he came back and the Lord saved him and I call him Lazarus. What a great guy. Meek guy, wonderful guy. Not that he almost died, but that he's just a meek, wonderful guy. Amen? I'd hate to think I'd almost have to die in order for someone to like me. But Richard's a great guy. And he said, do you really think that, that there's nothing out there it's just us and all the other planets and all the other stuff out there is nothing. And I said, no, I don't think that. I think there's life all over the universe. But Jesus is Lord. And no, I don't believe that there isn't life out there. I believe planets are inhabited by angelic creatures. I do believe that you and I are the only one that God made after his own image, after his own likeness. And I do believe that earth is ground zero for the cosmic war between the dragon, the sun, and Israel. I do believe there's life beyond. And the further they look, the bigger my God is because if he's called a creator, then he must be creating. Amen? He's not a retired creator. God's not a retired God. Scientist says the heavens is expanding. Well, welcome to my God. He isn't retired. He's creator. He's incredible. He's awesome. And everything made out there is wonderful and powerful. See, you get this idea, well, you know, we're the only thing out there. I mean, we're it. Jesus Jesus revolves around us. I mean, we're just it. I mean, we're, we're living here on a flat earth. We've got a dome over us, and, and God is deceiving us with lights out there, and all them scientists are lying to us, and them pilots that get out there and fly, they say they're lying to us, and astronauts pretended that they landed in Nevada and pretended they landed on the moon. I've heard all the tinfoil theories, call them tinfoil hats. I've heard all that. No, the world's not flat. But I know there's a lot of flat heads walking around. The world's not flat. The world is round. And that's why you can explain the bottomless pit because it continues to circle, continues to rotate. Thus, it's bottomless. But let me move on since I've thoroughly disgusted some of you that are flat earthers. I don't believe it. Don't, don't leave the church over it if you, think, if you think we're living on a flat earth and everything out there and the Lord just, you know, we're it and God's deceived us into thinking that, you know, we're it and here we are in this little, little shake-up, you know, that, how, many know, how many have seen them little shake-up uh, uh, little domes and they shake it up and there's snow and, it, and there's a deer there? And God don't have us in one of those domes shaking it up and saying, well, hey, there's just some snow over in South Dakota. He did some snow in Alaska. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to disturb Missouri completely this winter. And so he sets it in the deep freeze. And then he says, I'm going to warm them up in the summer and sets it on the hot stove. That's not God. That's, that, you know, that's, that's, that's just way out there. God is majestic. God is big. And he's incredible. And there's great voices in heaven, and those great voices in heaven are declaring how big and how incredible and how amazing God is. 
Those voices are declaring how big, how sovereign, how wonderful God is. Remember, I mentioned to you on a Wednesday night where it talked about eyes would melt in their uh, head, their eye sockets, and how flesh would fall from their bones. And many of Bible translators believe that is a nuclear blast and very well could be a nuclear, nuclear blast. I think it's coming. Eventually we'll have one. But uh, in the valley of, the, uh, of uh, Megiddo in Armageddon War, it says that their eyes will melt in their head, in their socket. He's not talking about an atomic bomb. He's talking about Jesus coming in his glory, in his radiant power, in his glory. He'll be so incredibly powerful that flesh will just melt in his presence. That's our God. Our God is awesome. Our God is powerful. Amen? And so there's great voices in heaven shouting and praising God. I get tickled with the four and 20 elders, and I'll mention them a little bit here in a minute. But the four and 20 elders, you know, I, you, it always mentions them sitting. <laughs> and then after it mentions them sitting, then it mentions them on their face, praying, worshiping God on their knees. And I can just see it. It's like them poor guys in heaven don't know whether to sit down or lay in the ground and cry out to God. Well, they're not poor guys. They're excited because what's happening is they get to sit in a place that all of us as Christians will get to sit in, and that is the presence of Jesus Christ. But we will forever want to bow at his feet and worship him. So they're sitting, they're bowing, they're sitting, they're bowing, they're praising God. Now let me say this real quickly because this is kind of a sensitive area. Shouting and praising God. That's a little sensitive area. Yeah, I, I hear people used to say, well, you know, they lost it. They, they went to church, that person sung a song, and the whole church lost it. No. When someone gets thrilled and excited and begins to praise God or even dance in the spirit, they don't lose it. They got it. There's no such thing as losing it. If you get it, you'll worship the Lord. If you get it, you'll shout glory. If you get it, you'll give God praise. If you get it, it will stir your soul. If you get it, it will change your life. If you get it, you'll get saved. If you get it, you'll get changed. If you get it, you'll get moved by the Spirit of God. If you get it, everything about God will excite you if you get it. We just got people to, we just need to work, at, work hard at getting people to, to get it. But too many people are so worried about people losing it, they get scared. And because of that, they don't get it. I get it. I get it. There's some people that put on a show to be seen. I get it. There's some people that they, they, they do lose it <laughs> in that area. But I also get it when a church jumps into worship and praise. I get it when God begins to move. I get it when God begins to give God glory. Amen? I used to say uh, several years ago, if someone gets up and shouts all over the building, runs and shouts and praises God all over the building, that shouldn't offend you. That shouldn't offend you at all. 
It don't offend me. You say, well, I would never do that. Then don't. It's pretty simple. You say, well, I won't dance like they do, and I won't run the aisle like they do, and I won't act like they, they act. Well, then why don't you not criticize them when they, they do? You know, I, I may not do some of those things, but I'm not going to criticize people who do worship the Lord. Amen? That's good preaching right there, whether you like it or not. Well, preacher, there's just too much Methodist in me. There's just too much Baptist in me. There's too much Presbyterian in me. No, there's too much you in you. Got nothing to do with denomination. You got to worship the Lord. Well, I wasn't made that way. Okay, I'm all right with that. But don't criticize me for being made the way I am. Hello. And I'm not going to criticize you. Amen. It's a blessing to love the Lord. So there's great voices in heaven. They're giving God praise. The, the, the sounding of God is being worshipped and praised by the 420 elders, by the angelic host, by the angels. I, you know, I can't begin to imagine what it must be like when all of the angels of heaven begin to join together in praise to God and the 420 uh, uh, elders and the church, a multitude that no man can count as the sands of the sea, singing worthy, worthy is the lamb that was slain, that has redeemed us by his blood. And all of heaven begins to shout. And the cherubims begin to echo across heaven saying amen and the other uh, angels begin to echo back and say say it again and they go amen and across heaven some, the angelic say, say it again and the angel says I'm not going to say it again you say it again and they're all praising God and giving God glory there's a shout going up heaven is in an uproar heaven's excited why because they get it they get it and that's what God's trying to say to us in this last few verses of chapter 11. Get it. Get it. Great voices in heaven. Let me, let me come to another one. Great voices on earth. Great voices on earth. Now, great voices on earth begins and they end up great voices in heaven. The four and 20 elders first had great voices on earth. Did you hear me? The four and twenty elders first had great voices on earth. John the Baptist said this. In chapter 1, verse 22, 23, 24, they asked John the Baptist, who are you? Are you Elijah? John says, nope. Are you the Christ? Nope. Are you the one that is coming? Nope. Now, John didn't say nope. I said nope. But John said, I am not. A little more dignified. Well, no, you can't say that. But anyway. But John the Baptist says, no, I'm not Isaiah. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not. He said, I'm just the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And how many will agree that John the Baptist was a great voice on earth? Jesus Christ was also a great voice on earth. And when John the Baptist and Jesus come, their message was, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
Repent the kingdom of God is hand. Repent the kingdom of heaven is hand. What they didn't know, the Jewish people didn't know, is that the, the, the uh, lions will eat straw like an ox, that peace would come and nations would beat their swords into plowshares plow and peace would come and nations would be uh, ruled by a rod of iron by the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What they didn't know is when John the Baptist said, he's coming, he's coming, he, there's one mightier than I that I'm not worthy to stoop down and loose the latchets of his shoes. He's coming and he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, John says, I baptize you with repentance in water uh, unto repentance, but there's coming one that will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and change your life and move in your soul and change you. He's the almighty God. What they didn't know is that the thousand year reign was right there in Jesus, that the coming millennial was right there in Jesus, that the coming kingdom of God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Jesus came and they rejected it, but one day Jesus will come and God's will will be done. Woo! I see some of you got it. John says, I'm not the one, but he was a great voice. Apostle Paul was a great voice. Peter was a great voice. Now, let me stop and look at you real good. Don't you just hate it when the preacher looks at you? You're preaching at me. Yep, I am. Okay, here's the deal. We may not have a great voice to sing, and you may. You know how I judge people who sing? You say, well, you shouldn't judge them. Well, I know what I like. And so do you. And when I hear someone sing, I'm not looking for talent. And I'm not looking to be entertained. I'm looking to see Jesus in that song. When someone sings, if they've got a great voice to sing, it will always reveal our blessed Savior, Jesus Christ. It's not, wow, they can sing. It's, wow, Jesus is awesome. It's not, wow, they, they're really gifted. No, it's Jesus Christ just sticks out everywhere when they sing. Amen, come on. What is a great voice? Well, a great voice, I'm not, I don't have a great voice to sing. I don't even have a great radio voice. I don't have a great announcer voice. I, you know, I don't have a great voice. And someone in this room, you may be saying, well, I don't have a great voice either. Let me tell you how to have a great voice. A great voice on earth. Your voice has never been greater when you're talking to God in prayer. That makes a great voice. When you talk to God in prayer, it's a great voice on earth. When you sing for God to worship and love him, that's a great voice on earth. When you, when you share Jesus with your neighbor, that's a great voice on earth. When you're telling people at work how good God is and that you love Jesus Christ and church is important to you and the Bible is real and Jesus Christ is coming again, your voice has never been greater. You want a great voice? Talk about Jesus at work. 
You want a great voice? Sing about Jesus. You want a great voice? Pray to Jesus. You want a great voice? Yeah. And the world is in need of great voices on the earth shouting and declaring the, maj- uh, the majesty and the power of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The earth is in dire need of great voices sounding out, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is coming, and Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. So you want a great voice? Practice having a great voice. Let, let's practice a little bit. Let me help you. I'm going to give you voice lessons. Okay? You ready? How many ready for some voice lessons? You need to practice voice lessons. This is not to help you sing. God knows I'm the last one to do that. But this is to help you have a great voice. I want you to join with me and say, praise the Lord. Come on. Praise the Lord. Your voice is sounding better all the time. Let's have, let's have another voice lesson. Jesus is coming. Come on, shout it. Jesus is coming. Come on, shout it. Jesus is coming. Boy, there's some great voices out there. Try that in an elevator. Your voice will be great. Try that in a dentist's waiting room. Your voice will be great. Amen? <laughs> then the last one I want to bring out is, and the nations were angry. You know why the nations were angry? Because Jesus is being exalted. God is being magnified. The leaders of the earth are losing their control and power. Notice it says in verse 18, and the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come the time of the dead, and they should be judged. The nations were angry. Now let me, let me say this real quickly because just as you have no greater voice than when you're praying to Jesus, you have no greater voice than when you're preaching or sharing the goodness of Jesus Christ. That's, that's, that is a great voice on earth. When we get to heaven, we'll have a glorified voice, and then we will have a announcer's voice. I mean, we'll have a great voice when we get to heaven. and So get practiced up. Amen. But here's the thing. We need some great voices on earth because there's a lot of nasty, disgusting voices on earth right now. Hello? Come on. Your voice is great because you're worshiping God, but the nations were angry. How many would agree that because they were angry, they were not saying nice things? So how do you know that? Well, I've been around angry people. Angry people don't say nice things. Amen? So these people that are angry, the nations that are angry, they have ugly voices, disgusting voices on the earth. And right now we have ugly voices, disgusting voices on the earth. We have voices on the earth that's trying to rob God of his glory. Never happened. Never happened. We've got voices on the earth that denies the existence of God. He still is. Nothing will change that. We have nasty voices on the earth that's trying to criticize us for going to church. 
They say, how in the world could you go to church and listen to that preacher preach for four hours? How could you go to church and, and pray to someone you can't see and sing to someone you can't see and listen to some guy that's all he's trying to do is get your money? Those are ugly voices. And I might add, they're liars, at least concerning me. Ugly voices in the world. How many have been around some of them ugly voices? Yeah. I remember when I first got saved, they said, oh, man, he's going to be brainwashed. And I told my family, I said, too late. I've done been brainwashed. I'm clean. The blood of Jesus Christ has purged my conscience. I'm free. Amen? Now, we'll forget my brother. We went down to the lake. He, he liked his beer, and, and, and he got in the boat with his beer. And I said to my brother, I'm not getting in the boat. He said, why? Are you too good for me? I said, no, but I'm not going to get in the boat with, you, with, with that beer you've got. He said, oh, I be blankety-blank-blank. I've got me a holy Joe here. And I said to my brother, I'm not a holy Joe. I'm a holy James. He said, that's what I thought. You just think you're better than me. I said, no, I didn't say that. I'm saying if I get in the boat and you're drinking, someone will come by and see me and know I'm a preacher, and they're going to see you drinking, and they're going to think I'm drinking, and I've got to watch what people think about me. I've got to, I've got to not have appearance of evil. Amen? So it's okay to drink a little bit, preacher. What turnip truck did you fall off of? Obviously, you didn't get it. Because if you get it, you're not going to try to find out what you can do and still go to heaven. If you get it, you're not going to try to find out what you can get away with and still go to heaven. If you get it, it won't matter to you. You'll give up some things that's not necessarily sin because you want to please him. You want to please Jesus. And it may not be sin. It may not be sin at all, but you want to please Jesus and you don't want to offend your brothers Amen. and sisters. That's, that's good preaching right there. Good, good preaching. And there are ugly voices on the earth. And there are great voices on the earth, and we are the great voices. The church is the great voice for planet earth. We are the great voice for planet earth. John the Baptist was a great voice for planet earth. Jesus is a great voice for planet earth. The apostles and the preachers of the past, great voice for planet earth. But Paul isn't here. Peter, Apostle Peter is not here. John the Baptist is not here. You are, and so God needs your great voice. It's easy to do. Your great voice is when you talk about Jesus. Your great voice is when you stand up for God. Your great voice is when you praise God. Your great voice is when everybody around you knows who you're, who you're loving and who you're serving. Now, I don't mean you walk around being obnoxious. You can do that on your own without practicing it. I'm not talking about going around being obnoxious, but I am talking about being vocal about your love and faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Have you ever stopped to consider why Jesus commanded us love one another? 
Have you ever thought why Jesus commanded us? That wasn't a suggestion. Jesus commanded us in the 13th chapter of Mark. He commanded us that we would love one another. That was a command, not a suggestion. You know why he commanded us to love one another? Because he knew that we were not that lovable. We needed the command. Amen? Because the truth is, you love yourself better than than anyone else. And if yourself gets offended, you're not going to love your neighbor. You love your people. Because what happened is, you love yourself more than anybody else. And that's why Jesus Christ said, love your neighbor as yourself. Big order. Big order. Amen? That means you're supposed to love the preacher, too. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to give an invitation. And I want to encourage you, if you've got anything out of this, and, and you say, well, what about the, the heaven is open, the tabernacle of God, the altar, the ark of the covenant is open in heaven? Yes, everything God made in the tabernacle, everything God made in the temple is in heaven. There's a literal There's a literal covenant in heaven. There's a literal uh, uh, temple in heaven. Yes, God has a literal uh, uh, place of mercy seat in heaven. It's all there. And everything that Moses made, Aaron made, and the others made was a replica of what's already in heaven. And all that was ordered to us to make, or Aaron and the priest and Moses, that was all ordered for them to make so they would Get it. Amen? They would go from place to place in their tents. And they would put their tents around the tabernacle in the wilderness. They'd put their tents around the tabernacle in the wilderness. They put them close enough that they wouldn't defile the Sabbath and go over two-thirds of a mile to, uh, to overstep to the temple. So there's, there, their tents were put close around the tabernacle so that when they did come on the Sabbath, they wouldn't break it because they'd be close enough. And they went around it and they formed, now get this, if you were in a helicopter, trust me, Moses would not have went well with a helicopter. He had to stretch forth his rod and said, be thou downed. And you would be downed. But if you were to go over an aerial view of the tabernacle where they had all their tents, it would all be formed in a cross. The tabernacle was also built in a cross. And everything in that tabernacle pointed to Jesus Christ. And when the cloud moved, they moved the tabernacle. They moved their tents. When the cloud stopped, they stopped. And the pillar of fire burned. They were comforted. They were watched over. Did you know you're living in a tabernacle too? Peter said that this body that we have is a tabernacle. And it's being dissolved. That's why dentists have a good occupation. Our temple's being dissolved. That's why doctors will never be out of a job. Because our temples are being dissolved. We are temples. Our tent post is our bones. We are a temple, a temple of the Holy Ghost. We are a temple for Jesus Christ to live in. 
that beautiful? And all that tabernacle stuff, all that in the temple was pointing to one day Jesus living in you and me. I'm glad he's there. How many, how many glad he's there? Hallelujah. Glad he's in my heart. So Josh, come on and bring a song. We're going to have a Lord's Supper in just a moment, still early. We've got plenty of time. Amen. Praise the Lord. I ought to get a handshake after service today and say, that was a great sermon, preacher. Because I'm done already. Well, Josh going to give an invitation. Well, I invite you. Maybe you'd like to come to this altar and say, God, make me a great voice. Make me a voice on earth. Make me a voice in my family. Make me a voice. Let, let me, you know, one day I'll be a great voice in heaven, but God, make me a great voice on earth. Let me be like John, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. You're one and you have a voice and be the voice of one crying in this wilderness stand with me we're giving an invite